what if you could further gender equality and your financial goals? Well, Index IQ now offers a gender equality exchange traded fund, or ETF, that looks to do both. Created in alignment with the nonprofit Girls Who Code, the IQ and Gender Equality ETF, ticker EQUL or Equal, seeks to benefit both your portfolio's potential and our world. It's part of IQ Dual Impact ETFs and their mission to do more. Make an impact. Visit EQULETF.com. Refer to the episode show notes for important information about the fund and read the prospectus carefully before investing. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month, we're highlighting Indigenous women from around the world. Today, we're honoring the remarkable life of the first woman elected to lead the Cherokee Nation. Let's talk about Wilma Mankiller. Wilma Pearl Mankiller was born on November 18, 1945, in the Cherokee Nation's tribal capital of Tulequa, located in eastern Oklahoma. She was the sixth of 11 children. Wilma's mother, Clara Irene, was of Dutch-Irish descent, and her father, Charlie, came from a long line of Cherokee ancestors. The surname, Mankiller, Askaya Dihi, refers to the traditional Cherokee military rank of captain or major. Wilma spent some of her childhood in a 160-acre plot of land known as the Mankiller Flats. Though Wilma never felt poor growing up, her family's home didn't have electricity, indoor plumbing, or telephones. When she was 11 years old, Wilma's family moved to San Francisco as part of a relocation policy of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The goal was to urbanize rural indigenous people by moving them off of federally subsidized reservations to big cities with the promise that they would have jobs. In a 1993 New York Times article, Wilma described the move as her own little trail of tears in reference to federal troops forcibly removing the Cherokee tribe from their ancestral home in the Southeast during the winters of 1838 and 1839. Just a few days before her 18th birthday, Wilma married Hugo Olaya, and they had two daughters together, Gina and Felicia. Wilma quickly fell into doing the cleaning and the cooking and the grocery shopping, but she felt uneasy about taking on this role. For Wilma and many others, the 60s and 70s were a time of political awakening and consciousness expanding. Flanked by the civil rights era and the growing women's movement, Wilma had an aha moment in 1969 the day she witnessed the Alcatraz occupation of indigenous peoples on TV. As she watched young indigenous activists claim the island in the name of Indians of all tribes, Wilma's life changed. She recalled, when Alcatraz occurred, I became aware of what needed to be done to let the rest of the world know that Indians had rights too. Wilma began to frequently visit the activists and raised money for the cause. Forever marked by her experience, Wilma started to empower the surrounding indigenous communities in California. She also started taking night classes at Skyline College in San Francisco State. In 1974, Wilma asked her husband for a divorce. They had grown apart and she didn't see a future with him. A few years later, in 1977, she moved back to Oklahoma with her two daughters. Back home, Wilma continued her activism. 
she began volunteering in tribal affairs and leading campaigns for better health and school programs. She became the economic stimulus coordinator for the Cherokee Nation, all while earning her bachelor degree in social sciences from Flaming Rainbow University in Stillwell, Oklahoma. In 1981, Wilma became the founding director of the Community Development Department of the Cherokee Nation. In that role, she helped develop rural water systems and rehabilitation housing. Her community impact led her to become the first deputy chief of the Cherokee Nation, as the running mate of the tribe's then-principal chief, Ross Swimmer. Two years later, in 1985, Swimmer joined the U.S. Department of the Interior, and Wilma succeeded him as Cherokee Nation's principal chief. During that time, Wilma's daughter Gina recalled, People thought that we would be the laughingstock of all the tribes if we had a female leader. Wilma quite literally had to fight to get a seat at the table. At one of the bigger intertribal council meetings, Wilma was intentionally left out. She had to go find a chair, drag it in, and push her way up to the table. Right before they adjourned the meeting, Wilma stood up and said, No, I have something to say. Still, Wilma was elected to a full four-year term in 1987 and re-elected in 1991. During her tenure as principal chief, Wilma's priorities were to protect tradition and bring as much income to her community as possible. By the end of her tenure, her tribe's budget reached $150 million a year. She served as chief for 10 years, and her leadership was awarded with honorary degrees and, in 1998, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Wilma married Charlie Soap, who was also Cherokee, in 1986. She described their marriage as one between equals with mutual respect. She was with him until her death. Wilma lived with a number of health issues over the years, lymphoma, kidney disease, and a neuromuscular disorder. In 2010, at the age of 64, Wilma died of pancreatic cancer. At Wilma's funeral, her longtime friend Gloria Steinem said, Ancient traditions call for setting signal fires to light the way home for a great one. Fires were lit in 23 countries after Wilma's death. The millions she touched will continue her work, but I will miss her every day of my life. All month, we're honoring the legacy of Indigenous women. For more information, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow.